Welcome to the Celebration Church Tri-Cities podcast. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend part of your day with us. We are praying that God speaks to you through this message from our pastor, Robert Russell. For more information about our church, visit cctri.org. Enjoy the message. Let's pray together. Lord, we do invite your Holy Spirit to be upon us. That your peace would pervade each of our hearts. That we would hear your voice speak to us individually. Lord, that we would grow in wisdom and understanding of who you are. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let me first thank Hetty for speaking last weekend. I was actually in Greece this time last Sunday and uh, had a great opportunity to go there and follow in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul, which was an excellent experience. And I appreciated Hetty talking about wholeness. Now, as we've mentioned in the series, all of these words that we're exploring in depth are related to this subject of belonging. What does it mean to belong in relationships? And, of course, this idea of being whole came out of the concept that in relationship, first with Christ and then with others, is where you are made whole as a person. And I did look at her teaching just yesterday and appreciated very much her perspective about the peace of God pervading your heart is that in him, in relationship with him, is how you and I are made whole. Because by definition, before you know Christ, you are missing something very important. There is a deep void in your heart, in your soul, because you're spiritually dead. But when you come to know Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you, you are perfected really in that moment, made whole in him. However, for the rest of your life, you are working out your salvation, working out your sanctification, coming to live in the reality of who Christ has made you to be. And so he is about the business of making you whole, perfecting you in him. Not in the world, not as the world would approach things, but conforming you to the image of Christ. The goal of human life from God's perspective is that you would become more and more like the image of his son. And the best way to measure that, if you're wondering, is to really examine your own heart with regard to the fruit of the spirit. Are you a more loving person than you were? Are you growing in joy? Are you growing in peace and in patience? Are you growing in kindness and goodness? Are you growing in self-control? To the extent that you're growing in those things, you are being conformed to the likeness of Christ and in the process being made whole in him. And so it's a very important thing that first we're made whole in Christ, but then God calls us individually to turn and help others find wholeness in their own lives. This is why very often what God does is take your experience, whatever it was, and use that to minister to somebody else. 
if you've been through some difficult things or you made some bad choices, whatever it was, and then God forgave you, you found healing and wholeness, then God often takes and uses your testimony, really, to bring healing and wholeness to somebody else. There are lots of examples of that of people in this church where where they've had an experience that I have not had, and then I encounter someone going through that, what I do is connect them with the person who's walked through it. Because when you've personally walked through the valley of the shadow of death in some form, you are the person qualified to help somebody else walk through that and find wholeness in and of themselves. Now this week, I want to continue to talk about Belong Again, And we had planned that I would talk about safe, secure, and trusted, but I learned last night we're only going to talk about safe and secure this weekend, and we'll get to trusted uh, the following week. But now, again, all of these are things related to relationship. That where do you find safety and security? And of course, first of all, you find that in relationship with Christ. But then the question arises, do others find you a safe person? Someone in whom they can confide, where there is security in a relationship with you. And so we want to explore that, not only in terms of how it relates to us with other people, but primarily how it relates to us in relationship to Christ. The scripture says in John 16, Jesus was speaking. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace, but in this world you will have trouble. He says, but take heart because he has overcome the world. He makes it very clearly clear that in this world you will have trouble. It would be interesting for any of us to make a list of all of the troubles we've had during our lifetime. I mean, isn't it an enormously long list of things, even for those who are fairly young? In fact, it would be interesting just to know the list of the troubles you've had just this week because there are always things coming our way in some form or another. Some are pretty small. Some are huge. But in this world, you will have trouble. It's just part of it. But he says, in me, you may have peace. That is, you'll find peace, find safety in Christ, but it's awfully hard to find it in the world. Now, in Isaiah, it says this. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Now, these words are for the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, but they are applicable to each person who comes to know him. But Zion, that is Israel, says to the Lord, have you forsaken us? Have you forgotten us? But the reply is, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? That though she may forget, God will never forget you. And the scripture there says that I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. It goes on to say your walls are ever before me like the walls of Jerusalem. 
But the statement of God to the people of Israel and the statement to each one of us is he has engraved you on the palm of his hands. And one of the things that I cannot fathom very well is the fact that God knows every person in the world intimately. It is one of the reasons that I like to travel. And as I mentioned, we went to Greece. And I'll probably talk a lot about that in coming weeks in different teachings and so forth. But, but last Sunday, we were in Athens. Athens is a city of 4 million people. And we went to, down into the primary part of the city where the Acropolis is and the old uh, Roman city and so forth. And then we were just going to have lunch there. And I mean, it was packed wall-to-wall people. Now, I'd never been to Greece before, but a couple who had been with us said they had never seen this before, people who'd been to Greece before, never seen it that crowded in Athens. But I mean, it was wall-to-wall people. And whenever I'm in a context like that, it makes me think about how is it plausible that God knows each of us individually? And yet, if you've known Christ for a long time, is it not clear that he does know you personally? That he knows the details of your life. He knows the desires of your heart. He fulfills the desires of your heart. That he has an intimate, personal relationship with you, even though there are billions of people in the world, that he knows each one. How that's plausible, I cannot wrap my mind around that. But the scripture says he has engraved us on the palm of his hands. Now, I don't think this is as common as it used to be, but it, but it was at one time a common thing for people to write notes on the palms of their hands. Just things they needed to remember that were important for the day. Or sometimes you'd be talking to somebody and you're, you're saying, well, we're going to meet on such and such a date. And they'd whip out a pen and start writing on their hand and like, I got that now. Now, I never caught a student doing this, but I'm sure there's some students at one point or another who wrote a few things on their hands in order to take a test. You know, there are always students who are trying to come up with some sophisticated system. Many, many years ago when I was teaching, I had this thing of when you came in to take your test, you had to sign a sheet. So this young man, he he bent over on my desk to sign, and I noticed something in his shirt pocket. And I looked at it, and I was sure it was cheat notes on an index card. And I said, before you can take the exam, I'm going to have to have that out of your shirt pocket. Do you know what he did? This is true. He walked out, didn't take the exam, and I never saw him again. He's like, if I can't cheat, can't take the course. But, you know, there's some people that engrave things, but now God engraves you. On the palm of his hand. Now here's the thing. You can find safety in this world in only one place. That's in relationship with Christ. See, people are always trying to build their own little place of security and safety. You go to Europe and you look at the ancient castles that were really forts to defend against either other people there or a foreign invader, something like that. They were their place of safety and security. Or we like to say that a man's home is his castle. But really, what safety and security can you create and maintain in this world? 
Our Ukrainian friends learned that very, very hard lesson because they had a home, a plan, the way things were going, their dreams, and suddenly they had to flee, leave everything behind, and realize their only place of safety was wherever God would take them. Now, here's one of the questions in this teaching. Are you trying to build your safety and security in this world or in relationship with Christ? Now, I'm sure that in my life for many, many years, I was trying to build my sense of safety and security and identity and other such things in the world. By thinking that if you did life this way and you prospered and acquired things and you were successful, that that would give you safety and security. And yet you can do those things and find that they are fleeting, temporary, that they don't really sustain you. Like some people are trying to build their safety in their bank account or in their career or in many other things, maybe in possessions. And see, here's the question. Are you trying to build a life where your sense of safety and security is in the things of this world? And if so, they will all pass. But now the deeper your relationship with Christ, the more clearly that you know him, the more, uh, more directly that you trust him day in and day out, that you hear his voice, that you're guided by him, the deeper and closer your relationship with him, the more secure and safe you are no matter what's going on around you. So you can be any place in the world, in any circumstance, whether on a peaceful, beautiful setting or in the midst of turmoil, and find your safety and security in Christ and Christ alone. Even to the extent that if you were at the point of giving your life to stand for truth, in that very moment, knowing you're dying, as many Christian martyrs have known throughout the centuries, if knowing you are about to die, your safety and security is in nothing of this world, but in Christ, in Christ alone. And see, here's the thing that I think all of us need to grasp. That if we're trying to build a sense of safety and security in this world, it cannot sustain you. But the deeper and more clearly you know who you are in Christ and with him, it can sustain you through anything and everything. Quite a number of years ago, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me the same thing over and over and over. And it was to the effect of get ready or be ready. I remember talking with the elders about it a lot. And we were praying about what does it mean to get ready or to be ready? Now, you can do things in this world and try to prepare for some future events, but even then you don't even know exactly how future events will transpire. But to get ready or to be ready, I finally came to the conclusion, has to do with the nature of your relationship with Christ. Because the deeper your relationship with him, the more you are prepared for anything. No matter what comes your way, you are ready if... You're standing 
in a place where Christ has called you and you hear his voice each and every day. And you see, he's calling each of us to recognize how much his love is for us individually, to walk with, uh, with him by the power of the Spirit, and not try to build our sense of safety and security in this world. In John, it says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Notice what it says, that I know them. That he knows each one of us individually. He says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. No one. Now, he said that he's engraved you on the palm of his hand and that no one can snatch you from his hand. And see, no matter where you might go in life, what circumstances you might encounter, what situations you might be in, it's the Spirit of God in you and his relationship with you that gives you security and safety in every setting. Some of you might remember Coleman Bailey. He's been here at Celebration. He shared one time a few years ago. A Coleman works for Serving Orphans Worldwide, which I happen to have their shirt on today. I didn't plan it that way. But, but um, he works for Serving Orphans Worldwide, which is the organization through which Vicki Adundo's ministry is connected and how we support them and so forth. Coleman is the guy that goes around the world visiting their orphanages, and they have close to 70 of them. And he's probably now in his later 20s, but he's a very interesting fellow. It's like he's my Facebook friend, so I'll see what he's doing from time to time. And he'll be in Uganda one week, and the next week he's in Egypt, and then he's in Ukraine. And literally when the war broke out in Ukraine, serving orphans had three orphanages there that had to be evacuated. All of them were in areas that were under threat. One of them has been destroyed in the war. And they, they took all of the children that were in those orphanages and took them to Poland. And Coleman is there in Ukraine helping them evacuate children. And I, I saw a picture of him with the, the demolished orphanage in the background and him with his bulletproof vest on and, and helping them evacuate children. And, and then Coleman will post, yeah, I was in Kenya last week, had malaria, but I'm doing a lot better. I'm going to Sudan next week, you know, just something like that. Now, he's got an adventurous spirit, but he also has a deep love for the Lord. And he realizes no matter where he is, what circumstances, what he encounters, his safety is not in this world, it's in Christ. Now, he's young. When he's 65, he may not be doing that. But he does have this sense of no matter where I go, Christ is with me. And see, I asked the question... How are you trying to build your safety in this world? Are you trying to build it in the things of the world rather than in Christ? Likewise, we talked about to have relationship is to be safe and secure. The only place ever you'll find perfect safety and perfect security is in relationship with Christ. You can have a wonderful spouse but no spouse is perfect in that regard. In Deuteronomy, it says that Moses there was speaking to the people of Israel. He's talking to them about going into the promised land. He's not going to be allowed to go in himself, but he 
sees it from afar and he gives directions to the people. Joshua will take them into the promised land. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. That is the people in the land. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And see, that was a declaration to the people of Israel. No matter what happens, what circumstance, he'll never leave you, never forsake you. Now, I'm sure in this room, there are people who've been through things that just are absolutely overwhelming and difficult, astonishing to some of us. And yet, people who would give a testimony that even in those things, God has never left me, he's never forsaken me. In fact, I was just talking with a lady uh, within the last two or three weeks whose husband died. And that's probably been close to two years ago. And it was a very, very hard thing for her. They'd had a good marriage and it was just a very difficult circumstance. And she was telling me, though, in the last few weeks, she's moved away from here. She doesn't live here now. She moved to be close to her son. But she was telling me how faithful God has been to her during this season and how her relationship with Christ is the strongest it's ever been, even though she still misses her husband. And she, she would say, yes, it was very hard, very difficult, but God has not forsaken me. He's not left me in any way. And that scripture is repeated in the book of Hebrews. Of course, Hebrews is addressed to Jewish people primarily, but it's a word for all of us. And the writer quotes from the Old Testament saying, never will God leave you, never will he forsake you. So therefore, you and I can say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Now, I keep raising the question of, are you trying to build your safety and security in this world rather than in Christ? And then I want to go one step further. And it's the primary question that I have for all of us. Are you living a life that is too safe? Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Look at the lives of the disciples from the point of Pentecost forward. Is there anything that would say their primary concern was their own personal safety and security? Now, before Pentecost, like for example, when Peter denied Christ, why did he do so? Because he was afraid. He was trying to protect himself. He was trying to keep himself safe by saying, I have nothing to do with that man. But after Pentecost, after he's filled with the Holy Spirit, this same Peter is the one who addresses the crowd and says, you are the people who crucified him and calls them to repentance. He could have been stoned to death that very day for the things he said. But you see, what I recognize is that the early disciples we're not trying to build safety and security in this world. They realized that the only place they had that was in Christ. 
And they lived a life that was radical, maybe even reckless, you might say, in order to fulfill what God called them to. And there's something that has been troubling me for a long time. And that is, if you look at the nature of the church in this country, say from World War II on, that there's a church in about every block, you might say, certainly in the Bible Belt, but you go to many cities in the country, like you go to Chicago or New York, Cleveland, there are churches all over the place. And the majority of the American population has been churched, that is in a church member or attendee, for decades. But I do think that for many, many people, Christianity in this country was simply this. It is a part of life. You want salvation. You want to check off the religious boxes so that God is satisfied with you and live your life according to your own agenda. And here's what really concerns me deeply is that I, I am concerned that many, many people are missing it. Now, what I mean by missing it is they are missing the essence of human life. See, the essence of human life is relationship with Christ, knowing him, walking by his spirit, being guided by him, doing what he calls you to do moment by moment. That day by day, when you know the Spirit of God is with you, that he's guiding you, directing you, opening doors, giving you opportunities, that you are fulfilling his will for your life, therein is where you find real life. But you can seek after the things of this world, find safety and security in this world for a temporary season. You may think that that is life, but it's empty. And see, what really grieves me is it appears to me so many Americans and people in other parts of the world too but so many Americans are seeking after the things of the world trying to find everything in the world whether it's safety security success in the world and missing what God has called them to not fulfilling his will and see it's a real question to you and me are you trying to live a nice, safe, little American dream life or are you trying to live the life that Christ has called you to? You know, the, the American dream, work hard, be successful, make something of yourself, is not inherently wrong because in all things we are to, to work as unto the Lord, you are to provide for your family, but it also can be very deceptive and lure you into pursuing materialism rather than pursuing Christ. And you could fulfill the so-called American dream and miss the essence of what it means to really live. While we were on this trip, we were just having a devotion with the people there in the morning. We had a very interesting group of people, several people from the United States, some people from Scotland, from England, one lady from Poland. It's just a wonderful group of people. And, and I asked the question, I said, what is the time when you have experienced the, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit the most in your life? 
Or when do you experience a sense of the presence and power of the Spirit of God the most? Now, you might dwell upon that and think about that. And I know for me personally, when I most enjoy and experience the presence of God is when he is allowing me to invest in the life of somebody else the truth that he has imparted to me that I might impart to them, no matter where it is. In fact, in going on this trip, I was sitting in the airport in Atlanta, and it was very crowded around the gate where we were, and a lot of people there, not enough seats for everybody, but I I had sat down. There was one seat beside me, and this young lady came and plopped down in the seat. Now, really for the first few minutes that she sat down, I didn't think much about it, and I'm sure she didn't, but eventually I realized, oh, okay, Lord. Now, the interesting part, I began to talk with her, ask her her name. Her name was Infinity. I said, well, do you write that out, or do you just make the symbol of Infinity? I said, that's a cool name. I would just write the symbol wherever I went. I'd just sign my name that way. But that was her name, Infinity. She was from Los Angeles. She'd grown up in Los Angeles, but she was on the way back to Las Vegas. That's what she told me. And uh, she's a young African-American lady. And we just began to talk. And I I just was trying to figure out where she was, ask things about her, and ask a little bit about her family. And she said something about her mother and her siblings, but I didn't hear her say anything about her father. So eventually I asked, well, what about your father? And she said, well, he died in an accident when I was 13. He was killed in a motorcycle accident. So I just began to talk to her about, well, that had to be extremely hard for you. She was just a young teen. And she talked about how hard it had been, what she'd walked through, how people tried to help her and and deal with it. But she'd really loved him. It was a very difficult thing. He was a good dad. Then we talked more, and then eventually I got around to asking her if she, did, if she had ever accepted Christ, and she said she had, that she did know Christ. We explored that a bit. But then she said, for the last couple of years or so, really haven't been connected to a church. So I began asking her more questions. And I, even at some point I said to her, you thought you were just sitting down. Little did you know. Because I'm just... We, we probably talked for, I'm going to say at least 30 minutes. I did have to go and get on the plane eventually. But I kept asking her about things. And, and then, you know, she said she was going to Las Vegas. So I got around asking her, well, why are you going to Las Vegas? She said, well, I moved there two years ago. And I asked why, what took her. And she said that she had cousins who were teenagers, young teens. I think they were 14 at the time she moved there. Both of them. They must have been twins, is what I assume. And that their parents were addicts. So they had never lived with their parents, and they were raised by their grandmother. And that the grandmother had died two years ago. And this young lady had moved from Los Angeles to Las Vegas to take care of her cousins to, in essence, be the mother to them. And I said, so you have taken the responsibility for two teenagers, even though she's a single young lady, 
I said, that is a very God-honoring thing to do, and God will honor you for doing it. And we talk more and more about what she's dealing with and trying to help them and so forth. And I, she told me she hadn't been involved in a church since moving to Las Vegas. Now, you might think, well, there aren't any churches in Las Vegas. So it happens that the pastor at Tri-Cities Baptist Church used to pastor a church in Las Vegas. He did so for several years. Mike Lauren, I know him. He's a good man. But I... I uh, I was talking to her about this, and I said, you know, I, I mentioned to her about what we're talking about right here, about belonging, connecting, that you need people. I was saying that to her, that she needs relationship, connection. She said, yeah, the, the, the two young people she's taking care of, one of them's a girl, one's a boy. She said the girl had said she would like to go to church, that one of her friends goes and has been wanting her to go. And I said, there it is. You need to... Just ask what church it is, go with them, make a connection. So long story short, I just encouraged her. I prayed with her, just staring straight at her, eyes wide open, just praying for her and saying, you know, I think God had you sit down right here because he wanted to say to you that he loves you. And he sees what you're doing and he wants to bless you. And then I said, I got to go get on that plane because it was getting to the end. Now, in my little heart, there's nothing more joyful. You could offer me tickets to the next Super Bowl or I could go and talk with Infinity and I'll go talk with Infinity. You see what I'm saying? That there's real joy in knowing you're walking in God's will, doing what he's called you to do in any given moment. Those are the greatest places. And it's no matter where you are in the world. See, your safety and security is not in the things of this world. It's in him, wherever he takes you. And see, here's why I'm asking. Are you living a life that's too safe? Is your life too focused on you, what you're building in this world, things that are temporary? Or is your life more focused upon what is it that God is calling you to accomplish day by day? Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not assuming that God is calling all of us to be like Coleman Bailey and go all the way around the world and all those kinds of things. No, most of us, God is simply calling us to be his hands and feet in the place where you live, in the place where you work day by day. But do you know what inhibits many people from being open about their faith, from sharing their faith, is fear. They want life to be too safe. And see, that's why I'm asking, are you trying to live a life that is too safe? That God might be calling you to step out of your box, to walk in the ways that the disciples walked. See, if you think about this, read the New Testament and realize that most of the time what God was doing through the disciples was using them in the life of one or a small number of people. Yeah, I know Peter preached and 3,000 were saved that day, but, but most of the time the stories are about encountering one person, like the Ethiopian eunuch, one person whose life was changed. 
And God does the same thing through you and me all of the time, if we are willing. But sometimes it's a matter of taking some risk, stepping out of your box. One of the places we went in Greece was to um, Philippi, the book of Philippians. And the Roman city of Philippi has been largely excavated. It's enormous, really. And uh, the Romans were expert architects and builders. And so normally, whenever they constructed things in a city, there was a pretty consistent pattern about how they would be laid out. And there would be a part of the city where the the Roman magistrates, which would be the really the military leaders who had authority over that city, where they would have their offices, things like that. There was the marketplace. There were the temples, the pagan temples that they had, things of that nature. And then in the city, there would be the Bema seat. The Bema seat was the place of judgment. If you were brought before the ruling authority where it could cost you your life or you could be rewarded in front of the Bema seat. In fact, the scripture talks about the beam of seat with regard to Christ, that you and I will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. In fact, I'll take a little detour. When we were in Corinth, in the ruins there that have been excavated, the beam of seat is this huge high place that stands above the center part of the city. And my wife and I both had the same experience. We didn't realize it until later we talked about it, but our, our guide, who was excellent, he was Greek, but he was an evangelical Christian, which is not so common in Greece. And he was talking about the Bema Seat and about the judgment of Christ. And it, I was overwhelmed with a sense of the Spirit of God to the point of tears. And I was wondering, why is that? And then my wife told me later, she had the same experience. And I think both of us were thinking in these terms. That when you and I appear before the judgment seat of Christ, because of his work, we don't have to fear that moment. Because of his great love, that we're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ knowing that everything has been forgiven and that we're going to receive rewards. Whereas if you appear before the Bema seat in a Roman city, It was sometimes because they brought people there to show them to everybody else that these people are following what the Romans would ask and they are being rewarded, even if they might be traitors to their local people. But there was also in front of the Bema seat this stone where people would be chained and beaten, sometimes executed. But you see, you and I don't have to fear that because we'll come before the judgment seat of Christ and there we'll know that his love will wash over us. Now, I detoured a little bit. I got from Philippi to Corinth. Let me go back to Philippi. When we were there, the guide was talking about the layout of the city and he said he took us to a certain point and he said this had to be the place where the Roman magistrates had their offices. And even the, the way it was laid out, there was sort of like a tiered set of steps going down so that the magistrates would sit around the side and if you were brought in, you would stand in the middle and they would interrogate you. And he was saying, this is where the Apostle Paul had to have been brought. 
And then when he was in Philippi, he was jailed for a while, and then eventually he was taken into the, the center of the city and flogged and beaten. You see, the thing you understand about the Apostle Paul is that when he was a Pharisee, he was in a very safe and secure, luxurious position. But then when he came to know Christ and his life changed, he put all of that aside. He counted it as nothing in comparison with the greatness of knowing Christ, is what he said. And he went places where it cost him greatly, but he went anyway. And even the, one of the more interesting scriptures is when he's thinking about going to Rome, Christians come to him and warn him that if you go to Rome, there are going to be consequences. It'll cost you your life. And they were right. What they were saying was true. And he went anyway. Now, God's not calling most of us to go to Rome or to some very difficult place to confront some ruler or something of that nature. But he is calling us to live outside of the box of worldly safety and security. And see, I'll go back to the question of, are you trying to live a life that is too safe? Or are you willing to abandon some of the things of this world in order to fulfill whatever God calls you to in any given moment? See, because once you realize your safety and security is in him and him alone, it frees you up to go into any circumstance knowing he's with you. But if you're trying to build safety and security in this world, you'll be in bondage to it. It'll own you. Your freedom is in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I do pray that each of us would recognize that in relationship with you, there is eternal safety and security. And no matter what we face in this world, what's going on in the world, this is where we find your peace. Lord, I pray that we would be willing to break outside of the box that we've created in order to fulfill your will. And Lord, we also pray about things going on in the world in which we live, in Israel, that your hand would be upon the people of Israel as their protector. We pray against the spirits of evil there that try to kill, steal, and destroy. That you would bring peace, restore peace to that land. For all of us, Lord, that we would walk in the peace that comes from your spirit. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that it blessed you in some way. Don't forget to visit our website at cctri.org. And make sure that you send us your prayer requests at office at cctri.org. 
We pray that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. 